Well, welcome back, Pamela. We have our guest here who is a licensed social worker. She is, has her master's degree. She's currently working in uh, elementary schools, but she's also worked with the foster care system for a number of years. And she is here to discuss mental health with our kids. And so we had one session that kind of focused more on the elementary age and young children, but today we wanna to talk about teenagers. So welcome back, Pamela. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Oh, we look forward to it. So I'm gonna go ahead and hand it over to you and just give us some ideas on what to look for for the mental health of our teen, our preteen, um, how social media affects that, just whatever's on your heart about this. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back uh, and sharing a little bit more about mental health with teenagers. As uh, many of you have known, and we talked about a little bit in our last podcast, it's been a difficult time for the mental health of, uh, well, basically everybody. Um, <laughs> um, and, and it has affected different age groups in different ways. And I think, you know, teenagers, it's a very social time in life, and it's a very uh, independent kind of time in life where teens are trying to figure out their identity and who they are and the kind of person they want to be and all these really big choices in a really unprecedented time. And so it's important for us as parents and caregivers to understand that what they're going through is not the same as what we went through and not to minimize any of the struggles or difficulties or challenges that they're facing. It's important for us to really listen and engage with our teens, especially uh, now it's becoming more challenging because their life is in these little boxes and it's a little bit less in the personal with the family. And I think it's important to not give up, but to continue to engage and continue to find what interests your teen, even if it's something that does not interest you learning what matters to your kids and learning more information about it is really important. I think there's a lot of changes that are happening in teenagers, in their bodies, in their brains. There's a lot of development that's happening. And it's important to not minimize what it is that they're going through, but to really value your children and their feelings about what's happening in their life. Yeah, that's good. So. Um... If we recognize some mental health issues as far as uh, maybe their friends or what they're doing, or uh, like you said, a lot of it's on social media is where they're connecting because a lot of them still can't get together at things and others can go and gather wherever they want. It just depends on where you happen to live. Uh, how is this affecting them and what can we as parents do to keep them verbally, physically, eye contact, socially connected and not just on the phone. Yeah, I think it's really important to have those conversations with your children. Make sure you're carving out time every day to talk as a family. And that can be challenging, especially, you know, if you have joint custody, you don't necessarily have every single day with your child but just valuing that time that you do have together to engage in conversations, engage in more than kind of the performance driven conversations, like how did you do in your game and how did you do in school, but really like getting down to the emotional relational questions with your teens. I think it's also important to realize that teenagers now 
uh, one of the benefits of social media is there is a greater awareness of mental health and having those conversations. And if you're not having those conversations with your teenagers, it's likely they're having them with what I like to call strangers on the internet. And so instead of having a voice to speak in to where your children are at, you've kind of surrendered that to whoever it is that is engaging with your kids on these topics. And so I think it's important to realize these are essential conversations and odds are your kids are having these conversations in some form with somebody. So if you want to have a voice in that, it's important as a parent to engage with them in these areas. Another thing about social media is it's always there. And so when I was a kid in middle school, I remember I was super awkward. I hated school. I switched schools. I didn't have any friends. I was super depressed. It was awful. But everything bad that happened at school stopped when I left school for the day. And now it just follows you home. And so as parents, we need to set those boundaries with our children around social media and even screen time. I think sometimes our teens, because quote unquote, everybody else has a phone and everybody else can do TikTok and everybody else can do Instagram. That doesn't mean that we have to go along with what everyone else is doing. Uh, We had a teenager for a number of years and we noticed drastic changes from when she had access to her phone and when she didn't have access to her phone. And though she felt like she was miserable when her phone was taken away, she was actually much happier, much more engaged with the family when her phone was on timeout. (laughs) And so I think it's important as parents to realize that we do have control. We do have options. And I know many of you have probably heard about the whistleblower from Instagram and Facebook who found the research that they did themselves showed the negative effects of Instagram and Facebook on teenagers. And I think it's important for us to realize that if a company for for themselves finds this data, like we need to really understand how important that is. And as parents, you know, I know I get excited when people like my pictures, but I also am mature enough to realize there's algorithms and there's all these different things that make it so people might not see my picture and I might not get likes, but as a teenager, as a preteen, they don't have that maturity and brain development to understand those differences. And so they can internalize that of nobody likes me. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not interesting enough. And they can internalize all of these really false narratives that aren't true, but because this is kind of like what their friends are doing and all those things, they can kind of feel they put an over importance on social media and social media likes and followers and all of those types of things. It's really good. And, you know, I really, um, believe that we need to have timeouts, so to speak, for the phone, because you're still the parent and you can still control that. You're paying for that phone. You're, you're uh, in control of it, really. And they can have times where they don't have to have a phone. They don't have to have it at meal times. It can be this is our time where we don't answer phones. We don't check Facebook. We don't, we don't do these things the same overnight. I, I 
I'd get your opinion on this, but I think it's really good if, if your teen doesn't have the phone in their room because they're up texting all night with their friends and they're not getting the sleep that they need. And just say the phones get charged in our room where you can actually see that they aren't creeping out into the kitchen or somewhere else to get their phone. Uh, I don't know if you think that's a good idea or not, but I really think we need to limit it because you're right. When they have that phone, they are not engaging with other people. And when the phone is taken away, even though they're upset, they get involved with the family again or in an activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I recently had a mom tell me that their child was depressed and they weren't going to bed until 3 a.m. because they were online. Yeah. And I'll, I had to, you know, well, who, who's allowing them to have their device until 3 a.m.? You know, children aren't going to control things that are giving them dopamine. <laughs> You know, they're not going to, they're not going to stop if it's something that they enjoy and feels good. And so we as adults have to put in place boundaries. And as our kids get older, you know, maybe some of those boundaries change, but maybe your kids really just need you to be the parent and say, you know, phones. Yeah. We have a no phones at dinner rule in our home. We have um, no phones in your bedroom rule actually. And so, you know, finding out what works for you, I think teens do not need to have access to their phone after, you know, you can decide what time that is nine or 10 at night. There's just no real need for it. If there's a true emergency, somebody can get a hold of you as a parent. Um, And then this can also be challenging when you co-parent. So have a conversation with your co-parent and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is why I'm thinking. And as I said in the previous podcast, this is why it's important to do research, do evidence-based research, not just like a Google research. Find, you know, Google Scholar, find articles that talk about the effects of social media, screen time, and all of those things on teenagers, and bring that to your co-parent. Because I think, you know, 90% of co-parents really also do want the best for your child. Uh, and I think they'll be open to a reasonable conversation. And so if the two of you can agree, it'll really help set consistent boundaries for your um, teens. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to remember boundaries aren't to hurt our kids or to punish them. It's to protect them and keep them safe and help guide them through life. You know, we we all need boundaries for protection and it isn't being mean. And it is, you know, they may think it is, but you as an adult have to know that that's not the reason. And you can't use that as an excuse. Oh, I don't want them to think I'm the mean mom or the mean, you know, person in their life. But you're there to set boundaries to protect them. You know, you didn't let them run out into the street when they were little because that was dangerous. And being on these phones all the time is dangerous for their mental health. And we have to remember that. I'd like to go back to one thing you were talking about, uh, about having conversations with your teens and stuff. A lot of people don't even know where to begin, what, what kind of conversation to open up with their teenagers. What suggestions do you have for that? Yeah, I think it's really important to ask open-ended questions, Mm -hmm. to ask them, and we talked about this in the previous podcast, but who did you eat lunch with today? What teacher do you like? And not just asking these questions to tick off a list, but, you know, if you ask these questions every day, you'll learn trends. And then you ask, tell me more about this friend. Tell me, why do you enjoy their company? And as you kind of do this, then your kids are really going to share the day in day out relationships. I think it's sometimes harder with teenage boys. They, uh, some of them are very chatty and some of them are 
not as chatty. <laughs> and so it's really important for us as parents to engage. And so doing an activity while you have conversations, having conversations in the car where, you know, they are kind of stuck and have to talk to you, <laughs> but just not giving up if it's hard, especially if it's not something that's been a practice in your home yeah. or in your family, it's going to take time to develop those skills back with your kids. And then the more they share with you, you as a parent need to listen. Yeah. You really need to listen and remember and then ask follow-up questions because your child is going to be really happy when they realize that you care, yeah. that you say, Hey, you said you had, um, you know, you and your friend had a conflict yesterday. What happened today at school with that? Or, you know, asking those kinds of follow-up questions so that your child knows that you really do care. You really are engaged and that you're a safe person to share things with. And it's hard as a parent because we can go into parent mode. And when they tell us something we might not like, that's not our moment to say, how dare you? <laughs> that's our moment to continue listening and to continue being a safe parent, but then follow up in a conversation about, you know, what are the um, rules in our family or what are the expectations in our family? And so trying to balance that can be really tricky as a parent. You know, we've had our fair share of disappointments with our kids and things that they've done. And we, as a family have a rule, no bad surprises. So if you come and tell me you did something you shouldn't have done, I'm going to be a lot happier than if I get a call from the school about something you did, or if I find out from somebody else, something. And so just kind of building that, you know, and then our follow through with that has to be consistent. Like, I really appreciate you telling me this, you know, this is the boundary that we're going to set around that issue. Yeah. But if I had found out a different way, this is what would have happened. Yeah. You know, so it's not like you allow everything, but you're a safe person. And the more your kids can trust you with these things, the more they're going to open up to you and you'll have that connection. And I, and I think that you're also helping them learn how to problem solve. We can't fix all their problems or, or take away all their problems, but we have to help them learn how to problem solve. You know, this was a problem. What can we do so this doesn't happen again? Or, you know, how would you have handled that differently? What could you have done? And, you know, sometimes as a parent, we want to run in and just fix it or go to their friend or a friend's parents and raise cane. But that doesn't help your child learn how to problem solve. And they're going to go through life needing to know how to do that. And this is just another way of doing it and having the conversation to know what's happening and going from there and staying calm. That's always a big thing. That was always my problem was staying calm. But the more you stay calm, the more your kids will want to come to you and uh, help them learn to problem solve it. I think that's a real issue in our society today is, you know, everybody gets offended at everything instead of learning how to you know, accept people for who they are or learn how to problem solve when there's an issue. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important that we um, understand that our child is not always the right one in any situation right. and that we teach our children like a very difficult skill of taking responsibility for our own actions. Yeah. And so it's not our job as parents to cover up for what our kids do but help guide them through what you do when you do the wrong thing. Because I think we all probably know adults who still haven't learned how to take responsibility yeah. and how that affects them. 
and everyone around them. And so it's a skill. And I always tell kids, you know, the stakes get higher as you get older. So I'd rather have you make mistakes when your mistakes are lying about stealing a cookie and not lying about stealing a car. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, the stakes continue to grow. And so it's really important for us at a young age. And even if we haven't done this in the past to start now and consistently, you know, work on those character development things um, to help our kids. And a lot of that is related to social media and those types of things. And another thing is as parents, you have a lot more control over what your kids can do online. Like we had a rule, we have to have every password. We check the phone every day. And because of that, we were able to see one of our kids was going to meet some random man they had met on the street, was going to pick them up from school. Like if I hadn't checked the phone that day, I don't want to think about the outcome Yeah, for my teen child. Like, yeah. I don't want to think about what could have happened. And yeah. so as parents, you're not doing it in a snoopy way. You don't need to be like, oh, you know, but if you see somebody that you don't know and your child is not talked about, yes, that's a conversation to have. And that's something to figure out because we need to teach our children, you know, healthy relationships don't need to be a secret. Yeah. That's good. There shouldn't be secrets. (laughs) And then you can also, you know, there's lots of ways that you can, you know, not give permission for your kid to download their own apps. You can set up a phone so that they have to have permission from you. Like there's lots of options. Um, And again, you know, your child uh, and you will know, you know, figure out what boundaries to set and really collaborate with your co-parent as much as possible on these issues. These are all such great things. I am just so happy to hear about this. And I know, you know, when there's serious issues, we talked in the last session about where to get help. So if you didn't hear that, I would say go back and listen to the other session because those will help you if your child has really, you know, gotten to a point where they're talking suicidal thoughts, thinking suicidal thoughts, anger issues, things like that. You need to get help. And And uh, you mentioned a number of places in our last session where they can do that. We'll list any resources that you give us, any books on the website on singlemamas.org on our website. I don't know if you have anything in particular. I know our last session, you had the whole brainchild. Is there anything for teens that you would want to recommend? The whole brainchild is great for teens as well. Um, And then the SAMHSA site as well. And and, and give us the the initials. S A M. H-S-A. Great. So one thing I would like to address that's more an issue with teens than it is for um, younger children is um, it's self-harm. So this can make parents very, very uncomfortable and very scared because, you know, we don't want to see our children harming themselves. So Self-harm is classified as non-suicidal self-injury. So as a parent, it's important to know if your child is cutting or biting or picking or scratching or doing different things, it's not because they are attempting suicide. It's because they get a release from this behavior. And so it's important still that you get your child mental health help. Um, You know, you don't need to be in a panic that it's a suicide attempt, 
but you do need to get your children help. And there's lots of things to talk about with that. Like ask your child as a parent, you want to say, no, 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 stop. Don't do this. You might hurt yourself. Oh, you know, it's hard for us to take off our protective parent hat and just have our listening hat. Like, what does it feel like when you do that? Are there any other things that you could do that give you that same feeling of release or relief or, you know, and so there are a lot of things that you can do to substitute those bad behavior or not bad behaviors, but in injurious behaviors until you're able to um, kind of help your children work through what is like the deeper issue causing that. So I think that's really important for parents to understand, like, don't panic. Your child is most likely not suicidal, but they do need help from medical professional and listen, really, truly listen to the whys and not the what's because it's easy for us to focus on the behavior and not the why behind the behavior. So we kind of joke in social work instead of asking like, what did you do or why did you do that is to say like, what happened to you? Like what happened that made you feel like this is what you needed to do and really listen and engage. Even if we don't like the answer, even if our children says we're the reason for it, you know, really find out what is that underlying thing that's happening and how we can help. Yep. I think not becoming defensive is our automatic or becoming defensive is our automatic reflex and, to just be able to tap that down and listen to what they're saying, because it's a real issue for them, even though maybe you're thinking this shouldn't be an issue. This is not really what's happening, but in their mind, that's what's happening. And we do need to listen to them and get them the help that they need. Yeah. I think what you said, you know, just cause we don't think it's an issue. It's important for us as parents not to minimize. Yeah. So if your child comes home from school and tells you a story that they're like distraught about and you're like, that's really not a big deal. You just minimize and like dismissed their feelings. And so they're not going to feel safe telling you things, you know, because we have all the life experience to realize like, you know, just because when you were giving a presentation, something embarrassing happened, like. Or somebody laughed at you or something. Yeah, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, you'll look back and be like, oh man, that was so embarrassing, but you'll laugh about it. But just because right now in this stage of life, to you, you, you're far enough removed to them, they're not. And I think it's really important as parents to remember that and to value your children's pain and what it means to them and then how to move on past that and not just camp out in that place of pain. Well, these are all very good things. Uh, We're running out of time, so we're going to have to close. Is there anything else that you would like to add uh, to our thoughts here to help the moms? No, we'll post some of the resources on the website, so make sure to check that out. And remember, we don't parent in silos. We have resources in our community, in our Um, places of worship in our families. So don't feel bad to reach out because you're not the only one. Yeah, that's very good. And that's why we're doing this is to let you know you're not the only one. We're here to help each other. If you have any questions, um, go to our Facebook page, Single Mamas. 
ministry and or our website, singlemamas.org. And it's a safe place to ask you questions and we're happy to help you. Thanks again for being with us, Pamela. Thank you, Single Mamas, for joining us. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you.